recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Kurt Angle and welcome to the Kurt Angle Show. On the show today, we'll be talking with a man who's done it all in the world of entertainment. But first, let me introduce to you my co-host, Paul Bromwell. How you doing today, Paul? Kurt, I'm doing great. I've been looking forward to this since the day that it was announced and we were able to schedule having our special guest with us this week. And uh, man, I tell you what, though, last week we had the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, EC3. He was on and buddy, we are getting all kinds of great feedback on our time with EC3. I don't know if you've noticed, but social media has been blowing up since we had him with us last week. Yeah, yeah, I saw a lot of things about the mutual respect between him and myself, which I thought was really cool. And uh, he, he had some great stories, man. He's he's really intelligent, very intelligent man. He he was, he is, and uh, we had some good follow-up after the podcast as well, so we were honored to have him on. But as we said last week, we're going to have Billy Corgan join us this week, and we're going to get into the football and some of the other stuff that we do towards the end of the podcast out of respect for Billy's time. So without further ado, let's bring him on. Mr. Billy Corgan, how are you today? I'm good. I'm an honor to be on with Kurt and yourself. Um, it's great to see you, Billy. Thank you. You too, Kurt. You know, um, certainly knowing I was going to see you today, I was reflecting on our time together in TNA. And of course, I was a fan from your time in WWE, but getting to work with you behind the scenes was a real honor. And uh, yes, I was there for even your retirement. Um, yes, sir. I remember. I remember. Yeah, that, we did that. As UK, we did some stuff and uh, big Big, big moment. You know, I, I I remember like a lot of the boys, we were at the curtain watching because, you know, we we knew we were, we were going to see your likes again. Um, I felt like uh, I, I might be jumping ahead with what you want to ask me about, but I certainly felt watching you do your, your final matches as a professional wrestler, I, like I was watching Babe Ruth or, or Michael <laughs> Jordan. No, I, I really mean that. And uh, thank I'm, you, Billy. I'm whatever you want, but at least let me cut my little own promo here in that, you know, Kurt's absolutely the greatest professional wrestler i've ever seen in person wow um Thank could you, do man. it all i mean you know the, the word you always heard around tna was kurt was a machine mm -hmm. and that was respectfully said meaning there wasn't anything you asked kurt to do that kurt couldn't do at the highest level i watched it in person um and of course this is at the end of, of kurt's in-ring career so uh i certainly saw kurt in person during uh his wwe time when he was probably at his peak physical prime um <laughs> But yeah, just watching Kurt go out and perform in a variety of situations with every other type, every type of talent up and down the card, whether it was comedy, whether it was 20 minute matches with Eddie Edwards or, you know, it's just I just I'm in total awe of Kurt as a professional wrestler. So it's always an honor for me to, to even talk to Kurt. Billy, thank you so much. But this podcast isn't about me. This is about you, my friend. <laughs> I thought I was here just to talk about you, Kurt. <laughs> hey, Billy. Billy, hey, this is awesome. And the fact that you wanted to start off with that means a lot. And I know it means a lot to Kurt. I know he's being humble, but he's eating up every single <laughs> word that you just shared. America, okay? That's right. He deserves it. <laughs> let's, let's be straight here. That's right. That's good stuff. 
Well, hey, listen, we're going to go through. We have some questions that we want to talk to you about. Obviously, you have a lot going on. The Cup NWA, so much momentum going on right now. And uh, and Kurt and I, when we have guests on, we kind of like to do a little bit of retrospective and, and a walkthrough, a background, and, uh, and then also talk about everything that's going on right now with the NWA. So I'm going to kick things off uh, with this and just say, you know, the first time I saw you in professional wrestling in any capacity was your appearances for ECW. I love ECW. Can you share with our audience what that experience was like for you and 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 being there a part of ECW back in the day? All right, I'm going to give you the real quick cliff notes and then we'll get to the the, the, the good part. So um, I'm flipping channels one night, Sunshine Network, 3 a.m. And there's this company called EC3, uh, ECW, EC3 in this champion, uh, ECW. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, totally rebellious, weird, almost like the alternative grunge version of wrestling. They're using my music and other bands' music, by the way, unauthorized. Paul never paid a dime. I'm sure that's a, a surprise. That sounds about right. Yeah. Sure that's a surprise to Kurt. Anyway, so I arranged uh, to go see uh, my very first e ECW show. I, 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 you know, they tell me to go to this door, knock on this door. I go inside. As soon as I walk, for the first time in my life, I'm in a, I'm in a, a wrestling locker room backstage you know i mean i see all the guys that are supposedly having feuds laughing and so it's kind of surreal it's the first time for me and paul Heyman makes a beeline for me cuts a five-minute promo about me to me <laughs> i love peak, it peak paul Heyman. i mean you want to talk about like if you're a fan of paul Heyman, which of course i am having paul Heyman cut a promo on you about you the very first time you meet him and you don't even have a chance to catch your breath. That's how I started in ECW. Eventually, they talked me into doing some angles, um, you know, everything from smashing a guitar over uh, sign guy Dudley's heads a couple times. I legit got concussed, uh, you know, by that same person, sign guy Dudley. He's still my friend all these years later. Uh, I heard my hand uh, doing something with Just Incredible. My hand still hurts from that. So even my little brief time in ECW, I still have some injuries. <laughs> uh, but I loved it. Um, and what was interesting about that is some of those relationships that I formed had everything to do with me entering the professional uh, wrestling business later. Hmm. Wow. Uh, you know what, Billy? What was your earliest memory of professional wrestling? Was it ECW or was it something else? No, no. I uh, When I was a little kid, uh, I, I, I my mother had some uh, issues and was hospitalized. And so I went to live with my grandfather who was in his 60s. And my great grandmother, who was in her 80s and barely spoke any English, she was from Belgium. And they watched professional wrestling on Saturday morning. So I'm four years old and I'm watching Dick the Bruiser, Nick Bockwinkle, Bobby Heenan, Baron Von Raschke, The Crusher, Vern Gagne. So the very first experiences I had with, were with these stone cold legends of professional wrestling. I didn't even know what I was watching, much less that I was watching these legends. So that very much formed my idea of what wrestling was about, the toughness, the larger-than-life personalities, but particularly a very Chicago-style version of toughness, mostly embodied, of course, by Dick the Bruiser, who in many ways was the template for what came later with, say, Stone Cold Steve Austin. I mean that respectfully. Uh, if you look at footage of, of uh, Dick the Bruiser from the 60s, he's so, a far, he's so far ahead of where everybody is in America at that time. Ahead of his time. Wait, I mean, he basically is Japan before Japan. You know what I mean? If you if you know what I mean by that reference. So that's what I grew up on. And at some point, like you do, you know, you get all weird and goth and start playing guitar. 
and you think wrestling's not for me. And then uh, I kind of walked away from it. I didn't think I'd be interested. And of course, when Cindy Lauper was doing stuff in uh, in you know WWF and all this stuff, I paid kind of sort of attention, but I saw it as something in the rearview mirror. I never imagined that I would one day be backstage and see you at a at a at a WWF or E or whatever it was at that point show. Uh, a young John Cena, first time he ever went to a WWE house show. I talked to Stone Cold, uh, Mankind, Triple H, China, you know what I mean? The Rock. I mean, oh, so yeah. my first experiences uh, behind the scenes of professional wrestling, I was treated so well and so respectfully by everybody. Some people were fans. Some people were just nice. Some people I still have relationships with. So I was like, wow, this is a lot cooler a world behind here than I would have ever imagined. The people are a lot smarter than I would have imagined. Like there's a street sense to them that doesn't always come across in their characters. And as you know, Kurt, sometimes the best heels are really great baby faces behind the scenes and oh, vice yes. versa. Oh, yeah, yes. And and so, you know, I started to get to know people in the business and and just slowly got sucked in like the mob. To, you know, and as you know, once you're in, you can never get out. Um, <laughs> here we are all these years later, the NWA, which is a whole nother craziness. So I, I got to ask, because you, you started talking about AWA, a lot of the wrestlers from the AWA era. I really got into wrestling. I saw some AWA, early WWF in the early 80s. And then it was Jim Crockett Promotions and NWA. That was the four horsemen, everything that went on there. And as you were telling your story of your fandom, you know, you were going through, you know, different years. You saw the Cindy Lauper era, and then you kind of fast forwarded to uh, Mick Foley and the rock and all. Did you now as the NWA owner, had you, did you follow the Crockett era at all of the NWA or did you go back and catch up on that later? No, we were, it was weird because in Chicago, you know, we had WGN, which was a super station. Okay. We also had TBS. It was weird because, of course, I didn't know anything about kayfabe, right? So I'm watching Chicago, and occasionally, like, Dusty would show up, and I'd watch a whole program with Dusty, and then he'd disappear, and then suddenly he's on Georgia. <laughs> yeah. Like, in Chicago, he's a heel, but on in Georgia, he's a baby. I didn't know what the hell was going on. Okay. Yeah. We did see, because it's a little confusing there with Crockett and Georgia, but, but I saw, like, Flair and Dusty and all that. Uh, you know, that that sort of early 80s, that was probably right around the time I started checking out. I okay. thought it was phenomenal. I mean, and again, I didn't know what I was watching. You know, this is all kayfabe times. Sure. I didn't know. I didn't even know what a heel was. You know, all I knew was like when Ric Flair was on the television, I found myself hating him, but I couldn't turn the TV off. Right. So that's it. <laughs> and I'm 12, 13 years old. And I'm like, what is this? You know? Right. He's talking about all the things, the wealth, the riches, the limos, the weight, the ladies. So, I believe, and I believed him. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> we're, we're all sucked in. But did you ever think, so now you're fast forward, you're getting into it, you're meeting the wrestlers. Did you ever think you'd become a promoter? Never, never. Um, no, I, I just, I'm really interested in the creative aspect of wrestling. And as you know, even our time together in TNA, I loved working with talent, promos, Vignettes, all it's like that's that's very much like music in its own way. It's like how to cook a soup. How do you want to play this? The nuances involved. The promotional side is, you know, uh, on my in my rock and roll life, I you know somebody else sells the tickets. You know what I mean? And they blame me when we don't sell tickets, but you know what I mean? Like, but somebody else does all that. To be, to be a promoter was like a totally new skill set to have to learn. 
and uh, and then much less being a promoter for the oldest wrestling promotion in the world. That's bizarro land. Um, but here we are, you know. Um, I was willing to take all that on my efforts to buy TNA and then my uh, my eventual acquisition of the of the NWA brand had everything to do with the fact of like, look, if I want to work in professional wrestling, there's only one way it's going to work. And I'm going to have to have a lot of control. Um, we make this joke around the office sometimes, which is, you know, WWJ, uh, sorry, WWVD, which is what would Vince do? You know what I mean? Because there's just certain things that you have to almost be inside the office, understand the promotional thing as it pertains to the booking. And, and there's no manual for that. You know, most of the people who are very successful bookers had fathers who were bookers. You know what I mean? They grew up in the business. They understood the kind of the difference between, let's call it the reality and non-reality of professional wrestling booking. I had no training. I had no particular mentor. I learned much like I learned music by listening and watching. Hmm. Well, how much did growing up in Chicago form your attitude toward everything? Well, it's a combination of things, um, and I appreciate the question. On the on the fundamental level, uh, hard work is something that when you grow up in Chicago, hard work is just it's just a part of life. The first time my band would go to Chicago and L.A., they would make fun of us because we worked too hard. Like, oh, you're in a rock band, you should like be partying more or something. And we were always kind of like, huh? It didn't make sense to us because we grew up in a working class city. Now combine that with you know, as your co-host mentioned, the AWA, that physical presentation of wrestling, the very sort of larger than life, but very physical and very real, you know, um, Vern Gagne, of course, had much to do with the way that wrestling was presented in Chicago and Vern, why did they bring Vern into the professional wrestling business in the fifties? Well, word was getting out that it wasn't real and they felt they needed to bring a bunch of shooters in like yourself to create legitimacy about the product. And Vern ushered in this new era in the 50s of, uh, let's call it hyper-realism about wrestling and, and toughness, not just tough, but like truly like a shooter tough. And so, you know, that's what I grew up on. So if guys, you had a brawler like Bruiser, but then you had a shooter like Gagne, right? And then you had these larger than life characters like Von Raschke, who was playing a Nazi from Milwaukee, you know? <laughs> so. You know, if you look at the NWA, it's it's very it, it dovetails very well with what I saw as a child on television. But then, of course, when you add in watching Georgia, uh, you know, obviously Crockett's heavily had a lot to do with that. You put those two pieces together, you can pretty much see what the modern NWA is built on. And when so one last thing, when people give me weird stuff about, let's call it modern wrestling, 2023 wrestling. It's like telling me I don't know what rock and roll is. Right. It's like, no, no. I, I know what wrestling is. You might like something different. That's right. A different flavor. Yeah. You might like different flavor. Totally cool. And then, and, 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 and I'm sure we'll get to Dave Meltzer in a second, but when even people try to imply to me that I don't like, you know, high flyers, when I don't like high level Japanese style, they, they don't know anything about me. When I would go on tour with the band, I would go out of my way to go see CMLL in Mexico and go see Lucha shows. I would go to, uh, you know, all Japan or whatever, when I would be in Japan, I love, all, I love all of wrestling, but at the end of the day, it'd be like saying, because I play a certain type of music with my band, I don't like other types of bands. Right. It's so weird to me. It's like, no, no, I know what I want for myself and I know what I want for the NWA, but it's not a diss against anybody else. In fact, 
I would argue as a, as a, as a marketing exercise that you want to be different than everybody else who wants to be sub WWE or sub AEW or sub anybody. I, that's like, that's antithetical to the way my brain works. I want to be the best NWA. And then you take the best NWA and you pit it against everybody else. And then you make your call, but being sub any, I mean, is Kurt Angle sub anyone? That's like, that's so stupid. Why would you, who wants to win the silver medal? It's like, that's the opposite of the way that I was raised in Chicago. Right. We, we like different flavors. Some people like chocolate, some people like vanilla, some people like strawberry. And I think, and I think you nailed it there. And by the way, listen to NWA, this isn't the first promotion that you've run, right? You've been involved in a lot of independence uh, and uh, you know, Hey, it was one of those things, probably most likely that helped you decide, listen, NWA is something that I'm going to be interested in. Was was that really how it worked out for you, your experience and working in the independence to say when the NWA came available, I'm ready for it. I want to take on this challenge. I wish it was that easy, but it's not. And okay. I'll be simple about it. I, 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 after ECW folded and after Paul Heyman offered me a piece of ECW, and we can talk about that if you want, but... When that didn't happen, some of the guys from ECW, when the company went out of business, talked to me about starting a promotion, and I was interested. It didn't happen. Then Court Bauer of MLW approached me about being an investor. That didn't happen. Then the whole thing kind of seemed to ebb away, and I, life went on, and I, I still went to shows. I, I saw a ton of shows, and I got to know people in the business, including Gabe Sapolsky, who now works for WWE again. And uh, you know, I stay in touch with Gabe. Like I have those relationships, but I had them only as a fan. And uh, even before Kurt's time in TNA, I would go down and, I, you know, when Jared started running the fairgrounds in 2002 and they were doing pay-per-views once a week, I was down there in the crowd hanging out. I, I just, I liked being around wrestling. And once I got to make those relationships, you know, I got to know people. Okay. So uh, one day this, uh, I met these guys here in Chicago, used car salesmen, you can't make this up. And they, they approached me about, do you want to start a promotion? It's a longer story, but that's the simple version. We said, Sure. And so uh, I worked in this indie promotion for a while. I didn't own it. They owned it, but I, I kind of ran it uh, creatively. That went on for a few years. It ended very poorly. Um, and then I walked away. I was like, okay, I'm done with professional wrestling. Like, leave me alone. Uh, and then six months goes by and who calls me but Dixie Carter. Do you want to come work in the office and work on the booking committee? It was too tempting an offer because... I did have those ties with TNA. I, when I would go to Nashville, I would have lunch with Dixie, but only as a friend, like just, and she would ask my advice and ask my advice on other stuff that was outside of wrestling or maybe my expertise in media or marketing could help TNA, including my lending songs to TNA and stuff like that. So it was an intriguing thing. I jumped in on that, ultimately ended up being the owner for a hot second, big lawsuit, got out of that. And I said, I'm done with wrestling forever. Leave me, <laughs> please leave me alone. About a month goes by, somebody calls and says, the NWA is for sale. I said, how does that, how is that possible? Does, isn't the NWA owned by like 400 people? And he said, no, it's one owner out of Texas and he's willing to sell it to you. I poked around. I found out that the WWE had passed on it. Um, you know, basically the, the general consensus in the business is it didn't have any value anymore. That its best days were certainly long past it. And so I was like, this is really tempting because- Go back to the kid in the basement. If you had gone, went to Time Machine and told that kid, hey, one day you're going to own this company and you can own it right now if you want it. It was like, oh, geez, I thought I was done with professional wrestling. So 
And we could talk about any of those moments, but that's how we got here. Mm. Everyone knows working out is full of positives, sleeping better, looking better, and just feeling better. But you know, the reality is getting started and sticking to a program are two of the biggest obstacles to exercising. But now you can easily create a dynamic, personalized routine to your equipment and goals, all with the FitBot app. With the FitBot app, you can set goals and check your progress. But maybe most importantly, the FitBot keeps you motivated to keep working towards those goals. And of course, the app makes planning workouts easy. Now FitBot's algorithm will actually change and update your fitness plan as you go. So if you feel like you've plateaued or maybe you're not making enough progress, well, FitBot's app will adjust all that for you. How about that? You just add in your equipment, you pick a fitness goal, and FitBot will create a routine for you. Whether you've been missing gym time or maybe you've hit that point too, well, a fresh start has never been easier. And the app switches up your exercises to avoid overtraining or burnout, which I love. And of course, your program changes based on your personal progress as well. We want to maximize your results, and that's what FitBot is all about. By the way, a full year of FitBot is less than the cost of a single session with a personal trainer. How about that? So join FitBot today and learn new movements the right way with over a thousand exercise demonstration videos. They're going to show you how to do it. It's never been easier to get the results you've always wanted. Check out FitBot and get 25% off your subscription or try the app free at our link in the description below or go to fitbod.me forward slash angle. That's the link in the description or fitbod.me forward slash angle. That's F-I-T-B-O-D dot M-E slash angle. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Well, let's spin this into something else. What were your big plans for TNA? And how many times would you have made me world champion? <laughs> Here we go. Well, yeah. as I said, when we started, you know, Kurt, absolutely the greatest professional wrestler that I've ever been around um, and got and uh, was fortunate enough to work with. So put it this way, what's interesting about our time in TNA together, look at who was in that locker room. Bobby Lashley, Drew Galloway, Matt Hardy. You know, I mean, it was a really, sure. Jeff Hardy, really stacked roster. Yeah. So uh, it'd be hard to sit you down and say, Kurt, I'm going to need you to put over uh, Shark Boy tonight. You know what I mean? Uh, no, no disrespect to Shark Boy. Um, so, um, you know, my plans were, were, were very similar to what I've tried to do with the NWA. My harp as a fan was I thought the booking uh, had burnt the fan base one too many times. Uh, as we say, and I'll, I'll, I'll keep it PG 13, as we say, one too many effed finishes, one too many run-ins and somebody getting head in, head in the head with the pipe or, you know what I mean? It's just, I felt that I felt the ridiculousness. Cleaned yes. up. I had done my job to a certain extent in the office on the booking committee and John Gaberg, who was running the company now back to working with WWE, John and I went to battle many, many times about keeping 
the product as realistic as possible. And I did make some gains there. On top of that, I wanted to open up the company creatively and I did make some gains there. And I had a lot to do with the deletion series with the Hardys and shooting off grid. And that was very, very successful. So I was, I, I tried to bring some fresh uh, energy to the company and put more emphasis on characters and storylines. And there was some sense there that that was gaining ground. Um, Business-wise, you know, uh, without getting too deep into the whole lawsuit thing, the whole lawsuit hinged on, and for a quick cursory lesson, uh, Dixie needed money. I put in a bunch of money to keep the company solvent. Every time I put in money, I owned more and more of the company. I think my maximum, at one point, I owned 26% of the company. So like Dana White, for example, is, a, is an owner of, of UFC. He doesn't own the whole company, but he controls the company. So I didn't necessarily need to own 20, 100% of TNA to control the company. And I was trying to figure that out with the various partners. There were mystery money people that Dixie had made deals with that I didn't even know about that showed up later. There was, it, was a, it was a mess. On top of that, the whole lawsuit that we eventually fell into hinged on the idea that um, TNA uh, wasn't... Uh, it, it, it's it's I can't remember it's the legal it's a legal thing but basically, uh, if if T if I could prove that TNA had more debt than it's worth, so if if Dixie I think was 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 of the mind at the time that TNA was worth eight million, so if I could prove that they're they're they they were more than eight million dollars in debt, ostensibly the company was supposed to come to me in some sort of uh, default. Dixie swore up and down that the company wasn't. In, in more debt than $8 million. That turned out to not be true, but I only found that out later. So the whole court case was hinged, hinged on that. It didn't happen. Uh, Len Asper ended up buying with Anthem, bought the company, and uh, and then eventually we kind of made our peace and everybody moved on. So I think that gives some sense of, of, of the thing. I guess the reason I'm saying all this uh, inside baseball was even if I had bought the company, I think the debt that I would have taken on would have sunk me so it ended up working out the way that it did, even though it was a very difficult path. I think the right people ended up owning TNA now, Impact. I think they've done a really good job. I'm not sure if Demore owns a piece of the company, but he's done a good job. So it ended up working out. Like they went their direction, I went mine, and everybody's kind of made their their peace over time. Seeker, it all worked out. It doesn't matter how many times you would have made you champion. Okay, <laughs> it worked out for the best. Now, listen, Billy, when I, Kurt Angle fans, obviously it's the Kurt Angle show. So there's a lot of them that are watching. When they found out we were having you on the show, they hit me up. They knew you're going to be on. They still think Kurt should be recognized by the NWA for holding his to that championship from his win in May of 2007 at Sacrifice. I'm not even kidding. There's pics of him with the 10 pounds of gold. They're online. We know NWA pulled out of TNA earlier that day. But what do you think? What, what, what do you say to that? I'm certainly willing to look at it. You know, uh, there were a lot of people who been on me about other situations. There was once a, like a title switch in Puerto Rico with Flair. Yes. There was kind of a worked angle with Bobo Brazil, I think in Detroit. Uh, and I, I have he heard fans along the way mention Kurt's thing. So I'm more than happy to kind of investigate it. Um, <laughs> there you go, Kurt. Thank you. Thank God for Paul Heyman or Paul Broadwell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's get the Paul right here, pal. I it's it's funny, but I did. I got I got hit quite a bit this last week since we announced. And we're like, can you please find out what he thinks? Can you ask Billy? I said, I'll ask him. I'm willing to I, I know we looked at it into briefly and I don't remember where we kind of landed on it, but it's you know, it's one of those things where it's an eye of the beholder thing, but certainly it, it's within my power to to make the decision. 
There you go. All right. Wow. That is awesome. Um, yeah, see, I got you all fired up there. You just need one more championship on the man. He does. He, he wants that you don't have you need one more. <laughs> just one more. That'll make it 14 for me. <laughs> he, well, who's counting? Who's counting? Well, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, looking back, I'm sure you have to be happy, though, that the way the whole TNA, TNA thing worked out. You just said it. It worked out. It worked out for the best. You are where you are. Scott Demore is and Anthem's where they're at. And, and it sounds like you're at a good good place with it all. Yeah, you know, it's funny sometimes because this is a self-serving comment, but I don't mind heat and wrestling. Like, and I'm talking about fan heat. Like, we don't like what you're doing. That's all good. You know, we all hear it if you work in the business. The thing that I always find kind of strange when people are dogpiling on a promotion, uh, running down the book or whatever, is like, is the goal to run the company out of business because that puts the boys out of work. And there's nothing that I would want for the business, even if I'm not in the business where the boys don't have work. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to provide jobs, but I'm also happy to see other people provide jobs. I don't see how that's ever a bad thing. And back to what I was saying before, I, I think, you know, there's many comparisons, movies, music, food. Wrestling is better when there is a greater diversity of styles, booking, champions, gifted people. I always point out talking about the AWA that when I was a kid, I loved Jerry Blackwell, who was, oh, you know, certainly not in shape. Adrian Donis, at least yeah. in my time, when I remember was certainly not in shape. Both men were great workers. They could go, they told great stories and I believed them. So I love that there's this kind of different approach uh, opportunity, you know, and that one company wants everybody to be in perfect shape and look like, you know, they stepped out of a magazine with the, with the NWA. If you can go, I don't care who you are. You get the doors. Sizes. Yes. That's great. That's great, Billy. Hey, what was the biggest glaring hole in TNA back then? You talking about our time together? Yeah. You know, I think it's very, I think that's a great question. Uh, it's 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 it, it, it kind of shocks me in hindsight, and I was talking about this with one of to one of the NWA guys the other day. And you remember, we got so much SHIT back then for that roster and that booking. But when you look at that roster, I think anybody would be a fan of that product today. So that's very mm -hmm. strange to me. It seemed a lot of the heat was around Dixie, right? Um, some of it deserved, some of it not deserved. Um, but I, I wish there was a better way to, I, I, in fact, let's, here's a conversation with Paul Heyman. I went to Dixie one time. I was not involved in, I was, I, I was not in professional wrestling. I was just a fan coming to hanging out, hanging out. Dixie takes me to lunch at one of her fancy Nashville restaurants. And we're sitting in there and all the rumors, you know, uh, you know, in the observer and all that, the rumors were she was going to let uh, Heyman take over the company. So imagine me, I'm just a fan. I don't know, Jack, you know what about professional wrestling other than what I've been told. I'm sitting at a table and she says, if you were me, would you hire Paul Heyman? I said, give him whatever he wants. <laughs> and she told me what he wanted. It was a big pile of money and he wanted absolute total control. control. And in fact, I don't know if you ever saw this interview, Kurt, and I remember it quite clearly. 
he he gave one interview that I remember where he he later said after the whole thing didn't happen and he was back working with WWE or whatever. He gave an interview where he said what he would have done. And he said he would have cleaned out every veteran except you. He would have kept Kurt Angle and went all completely young and went more MMA shooter style. Very <laughs> interesting. Yeah. But back to the conversation with Dixie. I said, please give him whatever he wants. She goes, well, and you've had these conversations with the Kurt. Well, he wants this and he wants that. And he wants to control my company. And I said, please give it to him. Give it to him. Yeah. Number one, your ratings will double overnight. Number two, you get all the smart marks off your back instantly. Number three, they'll hail you as a genius for bringing in Heyman. Number four, the company will be on fire within six months. I guarantee it. Just do it. She's like, well, what about giving up control? I said, I don't care. Just give it to him. I, I mean, I begged her. Imagine what that company could have been with that mm. roster or what whoever he would have brought in. Uh, yeah. That would have been hot fire. Yeah, so why didn't she do it? I think it goes very much to my situation with her is she was very reluctant to give up control. Now, to be fair, let's let's make both arguments quickly. To be fair, I run the NWA completely. I'm not in a big hurry to give up control. True. Even if it was Paul Heyman, I'd have to really think about it because he's going to flip around what I want to do He's going to bring in his boys and get rid of maybe some of the guys that I'm partial to. Wrestling is very much based on loyalty and who you trust. And maybe my company spins out of control in a way that I can't control. So to be fair, maybe that was her reservation. Now, to be critical, everything that she had done up to that point was not working. She was getting creamed weekly. The ratings were going down. She was having trouble with TV deals. That's a moment I think then you then you, then you you tap and you say, okay. And maybe there was a, maybe there would have been a, a, how can I put it? You know, she goes to Heyman and say, I'll give you the job. I'll give you what you want. You'll have total control, but I got to have one person in there. That's my person. So at least if I got to get rid of you, he's slipstreaming you, whether it's Dutch Mantel or so I got to have somebody in there that's loyal to me. So you, if, if you try to steal my company or I feel like this is after what you're doing, I can, I can kind of at least reel it back. So, right. Right. Keeping an eye on the old hen house, like they say, you know what I mean? Just from, from her perspective. Again, to be fair, Paul did not have the best reputation with sure. money and, and, and light inside baseball back to when Paul Heyman offered me to buy into ECW in it's dying days. What Paul didn't know, and of course I didn't tell him, as we sat in a New York, a New York deli, to his credit, he did buy my sandwich. <laughs> a rare moment of largesse. <laughs> he didn't know that I knew how much money he owed each one of the boys because I'd made friends with all those guys. Uh, I knew how much he owed RVD. I knew how much he owed Sabu. I knew how much he owed Taz, including guys that had already left. So because of that rep, I could see where she was maybe a little reluctant to open the purse stream. Billy, as we sit here today, what is your opinion overall of Dixie Carter? You know, um, my life with Dixie sort of had three, three chapters. My first chapter was I got to know her as a person. 
and and liked her and and respected her. Um, I understood she was in an interesting, tough spot. I, I like many people, I struggled for why this woman who had worked as a publicist came from a very wealthy family would want to get into professional wrestling. Much the same thing I get a lot of the time. Like, you're a rock star. Why do you want to be in this messed up business? She caught the bug, or Jarrett worked her. Whatever, who whatever, who ever knows what the true, true story is. But to, to be fair, she caught the bug. She risked her reputation and she put up a lot of financial money, you know, and, and varying reports. But certainly her father once told me what he estimated that the family had lost, or at least the parent company, Panda, had lost. And it was significant. So they had made a big commitment. So I was, I guess, empathetic, but also like many people, I had some influence on her and Back to my Heyman story, I was trying to help her steer the product in the right uh, direction, and she seemed receptive to that. She at least listened, even if she didn't do what I said. But at least there was a sense there there was an openness, because Dixie had been in the world. She'd worked for country stars like Dottie West, and you know, because of her background with her family, and because even of her husband's uh, you know, uh, background as a, as a singer, you know, it, there's a worldliness to Dixie that, that maybe wrestling fans didn't appreciate. She wasn't just some wrestling mark who came from a wealthy family. Chapter two is now I'm now I'm now I'm in business with Dixie. Now I meet a totally different Dixie. Now I meet the Dixie that's got all that heat. Now I meet the Dixie that's telling me one thing and doing something else. Now I now Dixie's got people lying to me. Dixie, when I took over the company in quotations, I technically did. She went behind my back in a bunch, and she was. She she burned every bridge so I couldn't even cross it. Mm. She she was she was willing to essentially steal money from me, and we're talking about millions of dollars here. You know what I mean? We're not talking about like a couple hundred k. We're talking about serious money, which you know led, ended up with me having to turn on my friend like something out of a Vince Russo angle, right. suit the hell out of her, which I won. They'll say I lost, but I didn't. And how you know I won? I got every penny back, including legal fees. So that's chapter two. Goodbye, Dixie. Goodbye, Serge. Goodbye, the whole thing. Goodbye, having dinner with the family around Thanksgiving. I used to stay at the Carter's house. Mm -hmm. I had dinner with the, the parents. Yeah. Every time I go to Dallas, I go see the parents. I mean, I, I was in the sort of the circle. I'm not, I wouldn't say it was family, but I mean, I was in the, I was in the thing. Chapter three, years goes by. I had every, uh, despite the settlement, I had every opportunity after all that ended. And this was part of my settlement. I did have the capability if I wanted to sue Dixie. And I had grounds to sue Dixie beyond the lawsuit. That was part of the settlement. So I thought for a long time about, do I really want to get into this? And it was that thing, like you can get into when you're, you know, it's like, well, if this woman was my friend, but this woman tried to steal millions, millions of dollars from you, right? So you're kind of in this thing. Well, I obviously made the decision not to go there. I kind of moved on. I got very focused on the NWA. I thought, let's just move on. Fast forward to, uh, I think TNA was having, or Impact was having Slammiversary. I was in town and I just looked on social media. I was like, oh, I could go to the show. It's been a while. Be fun. And I knew Scott Demore a little bit. You know, I knew some of the boys that were still working there that I'd worked with. And so I asked, you know, I went through back channels and said, do you mind if I come to the show? 
I think Scott or somebody wrote me, no problem. You're more than welcome. We'd love to have you. It would be great. Bah, 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 bah. And then I got this note, Dixie's going to be there. Ugh. So then I had to sit there and think, okay, you know, do I really, because I'm the type of person, if Dixie's going to be there, I don't want to ruin Dixie's night. It doesn't do me any good to show up and be like, I deserve to be here and who right. cares how you feel. Right. So when I made the decision to go, I whoever I was talking to, I said, please let Dixie know I'm not looking for a fight. So I basically, I come in peace. We see each other, we hug, we kind of catch up on family stuff, and we went kind of sort of back to chapter one, where we just kind of skipped over all of chapter two, and now we're cool. And as you saw recently, um, she did a promo, you know, for Al Snow's running OBW, and EC3 is doing stuff over there. And Dixie cut a promo that they use for OVW television where D e uh, Dixie's putting over EC3 being the NWA champion wow. and obviously helping, you know, on some level, putting over um, the NWA. And it opens the door to at some point, maybe we could do something, you know, get back into the fun part of the business, which is because I'll tell you what, strictly for booking, and I, I hope Kurt appreciates this, me versus Dixie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And we'd be some good business, man. Full circle moment, baby. Hey guys, Eric Bischoff here to talk to you about my friends over at SaveWithConrad.com. Are you looking to get out of debt? Conrad and his team can make that happen faster than me firing the hockey talk man. Wow. And you know that controversy creates cash, right? But you know what doesn't create cash? credit card debt. Save with Conrad can help you consolidate high interest credit cards and all of your other debt into one low monthly payment. They can even help you get the cash you need for home improvements or anything else. They've helped 83 weeks listeners save 500, 600, 700, even $800 a month. Seriously, your papers are going to go down faster than nitro ratings in 2000. Ouch. And how about this? No house payments for two months. That's right, no house payments for two months. And unlike the dirt sheets, man, the reviews do not lie. With over 1,000 five-star reviews, find out for yourself how much Conrad and his team can save you by checking out savewithconrad.com today. Be grateful you did. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lenders. Woo! Well, not to beat a dead horse, but how, how did the deal come be? Be, to be between you and TNA to get you settled and to make you happy? Um, it's it's super complicated because it involves a court case. It involves people lying to a judge. It involves a ruling by the judge where the judge basically puts in the ruling to me in judge language. Yes, you've lost, but I encourage you to continue. My perspective was once the other side which Dixie was a part of, saw that language, they tapped immediately and they settled immediately. I mean, they settled immediately. And you got it around and went to every dirt sheet, including, you know, including wrestling historian Dave Meltzer. And they told everybody we beat him. Behind the scenes, they were like, they were doing with somebody in the ankle lock, right? right they were right. <laughs> Because that case, after that ruling, that case settled probably within 72 hours. Oh, that's and we are talking about significant money. And as I said, I got every penny back. So in that thing, so the beautiful part about it was when people ask me about my time in TNA, I say, you know what crazy thing was, 
besides working with legends and learning the business behind the scenes, which was a, I got a free education. So it didn't cost me anything good, you know, so, but it's, 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 it gets into a lot of like stuff that probably most wrestling fans would, it, it, gets, it gets into like a lot of weird stuff. It's really stuff for a book. Things If you told it in a book and I really wish someday somebody would write the true history of TNA because it's utterly fascinating and you were there for much of it. You know how crazy that was. Oh, it, it was different. It definitely was. <laughs> so Billy, you turn your attention now. We're, we're through the TNA stuff. You turn your attention to the NWA. Let's talk about the moment that you get to pay. You can see behind me, I like belts. I'm a little bit of a belt nerd. You purchased the 10 pounds of gold. That had to be a special kind of moment for you, did it not? It's wild, you know. Um, you know, I wish I had the 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 OG version. Sure. Um, I think that's sitting above a Triple H's Triple H. best, best guy, best best I understand. But there is something about when you hold the belt in a way that connects you to the lineage of a Dory, of a Terry Funk, God rest his soul, um, to a Flair, to a Dusty, you know. Uh, Heck to an Adam Pierce. When you when you hold that and you feel the power of that, and then you watch what it does to a wrestler, that's the one thing I think fans don't truly understand when they get lost in the yeah, but it's fake. They don't understand that for for a professional athlete or a professional wrestler or both, when you hit the pinnacle of your chosen profession, it's it means something. It really does. I, I don't want to speak for you, Kurt, but you there's a look in people's eyes when they win particularly that belt. We've had people in the company. Look, when Cody when Cody Rhodes won that belt, are you telling me that it didn't mean something if he's holding the belt that his dad held? I think major. Oh yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I'm getting chills just talking about it. Yeah. And I know Cody a little bit, and we work together. Nothing but good stuff to say about Cody. But I'm saying is, when you see that guy hold that belt and look in that belt, it's like that mo that moment in the movies where the camera zooms out. You know what I mean? You get the sense of the history, the sacrifice, Dusty on the road, and the whole thing. It's like, pa 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 Or when I talk to Ricky Morton, you know, and we're talking about Crockett Cup. You know, you get that elongation of history. So cool. It's very, po very powerful. Well, hey, I, we talked about Paul Heyman, Heyman asking you to invest in his company. Can you tell us the amount? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say it wasn't under seven figures. Okay, so it was over a million. Yes, sir. It was some serious money. Yes, sir. It wasn't like, hey, I need a hundred grand right now. Maybe a little bit later, it was like well, oh, one lump sum. I, I can't remember if I've ever said the figure, but I'll, I'll tell. I'll tell you, say it this way. Paul says. I can't do Paul's voice, but I'm going to try because it adds to the story. Billy, what would you think about investing in ECW? <laughs> and I go, all right, Paul, I'm open to that. How much? Blah, 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 blah. I said, for how much percentage of the company? He goes, 10%. And I go, Paul, I can do math. The company's not worth that. <laughs> yes. But... You would be owning a piece of ECW history and legacy. You would be part of this incredible journey. <laughs> you know what I mean? He goes into the promo. Movie. I love it. Hey, he's a good salesman. Oh, he's the best. Yeah. I mean, he's the best. I mean, 
<laughs> so it's that weird thing where it's like you kind of want to give him what he wants, but you know he's totally reaching in your back pocket, uh, stealing yeah. your wallet. Hey, that's what he's best at, man. He knows how to, you know, trick people. He knows how to talk them into something they don't want to do. <laughs> Listen, there's I, I'm not saying Paul's a sociopath because I don't know him that well. I only know Paul has always been pretty straight with me. But there is that thing. I don't know if you ever heard this with sociopaths. And again, I'm not saying Paul's a sociopath. But people who are great liars, let's say great fibbers, they study their brain waves, and when they tell a fib, their brain doesn't change. Wow. The average human being, when they tell a lie, their brain actually, like they know they're telling a lie and it causes their brain to go crazy. So you're telling me he believed in his lies. I think people that are really sure. good at that job believe what they're saying, even though they know that it's not true. It's a weird ability. So, uh, Will, uh, I'm going to bring us back to the NWA because I'm really excited about some of the things that I've heard recently. Was your Has your plan always been eventually to get the National Wrestling Alliance, like the old NWA of uh, dealing with the territories, working in the territory environment once again? You know, um, when I bought it, the previous owner had licensed out the name to a ton of different territories. And I think he was charging like $500 a year just to use the name. There was no control. So it was it was kind of a free-for-all, and you had NWA companies everywhere. My first thing that I did was uh, we reached out to all of them and said, listen, we're open to working with you, but you know, as far as we're concerned, we don't have any reason to continue, so you need to kind of make your case why we should continue, and we're willing to, to entertain that. Complete hostility, <laughs> like off-the-chart hostility. I've... I paid my $500 and you can't tell me and who are you and you don't know, you know what about, and so I, I just finally made the decision, all right, get rid of all of it. And maybe there was a few were there where that was unfair to, but overall it was like, I, I just need a clean slate. Right. Well, if you're going to do it, you need to do the whole thing. You can't just do partly. You know? Yeah. So, so it really only kind of cropped back up as an idea recently, uh, with real force in talking to EC3 because he had moved back to Cleveland, which is his home, and he was starting Exodus Pro and 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 going back to our time in TNA, and we've always stayed in touch since that time. I said, what do you think about making this the first kind of new NWA territory under my sort of world? And he loved the idea. He got it right away. And so we started talking about what we would each need and so we just announced it. We were shocked by the positive reaction. People from all over the world started applying like crazy. It, it, it's the reaction. So something, how can I put it? There is obviously an organic need for this indie outreach and creating connectivity. So there's something there. And so we're really exploring it because, um, you know, in the short term, we were just looking at people we're already in business with. Um, so that's very exciting. Um, you know, as I like to say, I don't have a billion dollars. I wish I did. So we're going to have to get very serious about creating a ground game and finding uh, the superstars of tomorrow uh, way before they reach the point where the Dave Meltzers of the world are writing about them. It's going to be something we're going to have to figure out how to do. And so having people on the ground, me going to seminars, being able to not only see tape, but talk to people. And one of the great things that EC EC3 has already done is when we had the seminar the other day, who's he got at the seminar? Tom Latimer, Aaron Stevens. You know what I mean? He's got people in the building with different levels of experience. Tom obviously coming out of the UK system, same kind of world Fit Finley came out of. Um, 
you know, young wrestlers need to get that perspective and that and that um, not everybody comes into obviously with somebody of Kurt's skill set. Many people, of course, fall in love with professional wrestling and all they learn how to do is be a professional wrestler. They don't necessarily have the, the mat skills and there's a lot there. And, you know, I don't have a performance center. I don't I can't send them down to Florida and say, go train with, you know, whoever's down there right now, you know. Well, hey, Billy, when you finalized the deal with EC3, what did it mean to you? I think it's a big deal, you know. Um, I think that I think the most difficult thing in the in the professional wrestling business is uh, at, at least at least for myself is separating who's truly an ally and a friend, and who's just in business with you. And it's difficult because look, most professional wrestlers, talking about Paul Heyman, they're really good at working. You know what I mean? <laughs> So you're never quite sure who's working you for That's what. what they it do might for be a living. sandwich yeah. or it might be, hey, you know, put the title on me. So it's very difficult. And and in the case of, of you know, the real person behind EC3, Mike, there's somebody I really trust, you know. Our relationship extended past our time together in TNA. We stayed in touch when he was back in WWE. I was in touch with him the entire time he was doing Sin. I never took my position was always to do what was best for him as a person. And if we did business together, great. At one point we talked about him coming in and facing Nick Aldis. It didn't happen. It didn't blow up our friendship because I really needed him in that moment. And you're letting me down, brother. I always put our friendship uh, above. So now that we're in business together, now our friendship and our business, I think now we're really going to go places. And I think he has a really bright future as a promoter. And one thing he's told me, and I really respect his ask is, he wants to learn the business. He wants to really understand how the business really works. Most talents don't really want to learn the business. They just want to learn how to work the business so it works out for them. Learning the business is a very difficult thing for most talents. It's not something they're comfortable doing. Um, and you can understand why. You, uh, you've mentioned his main name a few times, and, uh, and I'm going to jump down here, and I want to talk a little bit about Dave Meltzer. He recently responded uh, to you on so on something, and uh, I want to know what you think of Dave and uh, his impact on pro wrestling. Let me start here, uh, and I haven't said anything about this. I have no personal problem with Dave Meltzer, none. In fact, a lot of what I learned about the behind-the-scenes uh, workings of the professional wrestling business, and let's call it uh, the deeper fandom that follows everything, I call it the wrestling bubble, you know, the smart mark crowd. I learned a lot of that from being a subscriber to the Wrestling Observer. Dave was fully aware that I was a subscriber. And at different times, we kind of ran into each other, including, I think, once at Cauliflower Alley. So there was no, but I'd occasionally see, and you can imagine me, you know, 15 years ago, reading the Wrestling Observer, and he would report something about me but he knew where to find me. So I would be like, and I'd reach out to him and say, why don't you just call me? Once, for example, this is before I went to TNA, there was a rumor that I was gonna be the big money investor that was gonna come in and save TNA when Dixie was having some money problems. Dave Meltzer wrote in there, Billy Corgan doesn't have the resources or the finances to take over TNA, okay? Number one, wrong. Number two, he didn't ask me. 
Number three, where did he get his information from? Not from you. <laughs> Not from me. Yeah. And I wrote him and I said, now, remember, I have no hostility against the guy. I said, Dave, why the F don't you just ask me? And by the way, I, I, I might have tweeted it even because I was mad. But I said, why don't you just ask me? And by the way, you're wrong. You're wrong. I have a lot more money than you think I do. Because Dave doesn't know anything about the music business. Here's a fun fact about me. I own all my songs. In the music business, if you own your songs, you're worth a lot more than if you don't own your songs. I, I, I was lucky and I had a great lawyer when I was young who said, you need to own your songs. I didn't know what that meant. She protected me at that time. And my, my value in the world has everything to do with me owning my song catalog. And if anybody saw like last year's Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special, there's one of my songs. Right. If anybody saw the new Dracula movie coming out, there's one of my songs. If anybody saw the rock movie where it was like against a a King Kong type thing. There's one of my songs. Well, then you get paid on all that stuff. Okay, so it, moving on. So I knew from personal experience that Dave would routinely report things as fact that he would not fact check me on. When I entered the professional wrestling business, that trend continued. So I watched repeatedly and I would email Dave at different times and say, why don't you just ask me? At least have me say, no comment, you're wrong, or here's the truth. So now when I see, and I have to laugh, when I see Dave Meltzer, wrestling journalist in Sports Illustrated, I laugh because if you're a journalist, you check your sources. <laughs> you don't rely on one Mark right. yeah. who calls you and trades gossip for you so you give them a five-star review. Mm. Now let's talk about the recent thing, okay? Dave Meltzer has created a world where he's in heaven because AEW is his sort of spiritual embodiment of what he always told everyone that wrestling needed to be. Great. Dave Meltzer has very little interest in the NWA. You know who I know? Because he doesn't really cover it much. He sort of treats it as, as a side thing, okay? If I sound... Uh, Hostile to the idea. Of course I am because Absolutely. I'm in people. Yeah. I'm running with my own money, the oldest wrestling brand in the world. I'm putting on pay-per-views. I'm trying to sell stuff. It would be helpful. Yes, of course. I'm being transparent. It would be helpful if somebody like Dave Meltzer gave it some level of respect. Now, if he doesn't like the product, cool, say it. But he's generally chosen not to cover what we're doing, I think, because he doesn't really respect what I'm doing. That's okay too. So let's just say that was that was all there is to it. Fine. You can't find me out there complaining about Dave Meltzer in public because he runs his business, I run mine. He doesn't owe me anything and I don't owe him anything. But I said something the other day in an interview and I was joking, okay? And if it, if it hurts, good. I, I refer to... Tyrus not wanting to put on a five-star Meltzer jerk-off match. <laughs> now, stop for a second. What does that mean? I'm going to tell you. It means, in my mind, that when he sees a five-star match that he likes with two guys from Japan or two guys from AEW, he jerks off to it. That's what it means. It's a joke. It's a joke. He's yeah. jerking off to the match because right. that he's in heaven. He's in wrestling heaven. Right. 
If that's disrespectful or it's, it's a little too stiff, okay, fine. Now, what did he do? He fires back and he basically implies that I don't like high-level workers. He quotes like Omega versus this. He even mentions Drew. Drew, I don't, what's his name in WWE? I can never remember. Uh, Drew, um, Drew McIntyre. Drew, Drew McIntyre. That's it. Yep. Okay. Buddy, I was at Drew's wedding. And who was I sitting next to? Seamus and Fit Finley. You're telling me I don't appreciate a good Seamus and Drew, Drew McIntyre slash Galloway match? Are you kidding me? What did I just say when we started this thing? I watched Kurt Angle go out and create magic in the ring. You think I didn't appreciate a great 20-minute Angle match? I right. was drooling. It's like wrestling heaven. And then he then he goes on to imply that I I would be lucky to have anybody uh, anybody that on that list in my promotion. Of course I would. Who wouldn't want a great worker in their promotion? Yeah. By the way, I don't have a billion dollars. <laughs> so he made it personal. Now maybe he thought I was being personal. Okay, so he, he hits me back. But he 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 makes up a fact that I didn't say. You know what I'm saying? And again, we're back to Dave Meltzer, wrestling journalist. He's just making something up. Yeah. So that's the problem. So here's the here's the finish on it. I wrote something where I said, I'm not going to bow down to the god of wrestling criticism. I don't care. You can rate every NWA match with one star. You have bias. You, Dave Meltzer, you, you have told the world the wrestling that you like. Great. You may have decided that the NWA style is something for a, a history book from 40 years ago. Great. You may decide that what I'm doing with uh, uh, the NWA isn't worthy. Great. I don't have any problem with that. Just don't make up stuff about me. If you're going to be called a wrestling journalist, be a wrestling journalist. By the way, Dave Meltzer has my email. He could email me. He doesn't email me. That easy. You're right. right on Twitter. Yeah, blast it to everyone. Do you know that this journalist, I don't know if you've heard this or not, Billy. The guy that you talked about at the beginning of the show, Kurt Angle, who this is named after. You know, he has never, he never gave Kurt Angle a five-star match. Have you heard that before? Never. Well, it's like the Grammys. I think the Grammys never gave the Beatles a Grammy Award. What does that tell you? Right. I mean, come on. He didn't wrestle in AEW, and he didn't wrestle in Japan enough, apparently. So, there you go. My response today, which was very measured, and I tried to be an adult, right, was to say, look, I'm not afraid of you. There's a lot of people who are afraid of you because they don't want to get, you know, the the, the Meltzer or whatever. Bad press, yeah. I've been in the public life for 35 years. I'm not afraid of Dave Meltzer. I'm not afraid of the writer from Rolling Stone. I'm not afraid of anybody. I'm out here to represent the NWA, right? I love talking to you, but I'm here to promote my brand, sure. right? That's I want right. people to watch pay-per-views. So if you want to be a fair arbiter of the truth, great. If you want to be critical, no problem. But you want to play this like weird game where you're winning and everybody else is losing and you're the smart guy and nobody else knows wrestling like you do. Wrestling historian, I'll give him that all day. The guy's knowledge of history is great. His opinion, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. His, his opinion over time, and I think what's happened in the last five years has gone to his head and the success of his brand, which is admirable, 
has gone to his head. He thinks he's the God who decides what is and isn't worthy. And you're and you're bringing up him never giving Kurt a five star match is a perfect example of that. Right. There are a lot of great workers in this business who are not the type of wrestler that Dave Meltzer jerks off to. Okay. Okay. I love it. That's totally fine. But let's go back to Jerry Blackwell and Adrian Adonis, guys who drew money. A lot of people that Dave Meltzer doesn't like draw money. What is this business about? Drawing money? Right. Putting butts in seats, drawing money. You got it. And if he wants to criticize me for not drawing enough money, great. Go ahead. I wish I was drawing more money. I wish we were selling more stuff. Let's out there. There's nothing yeah. to be afraid. I'm not a. My point is, is I'm not afraid of this conversation. There's a yeah. frustration there with this guy who's anointed himself the Pope, and I don't mean the, the Pope from TNA and, and NWA. Right. Somehow he's become the Pope. I don't get it. I want to give you, we want to give you here, when you talk about drawing money, you have, I know we'll wrap up with these two points here, Billy. I know you're you're fired up and I'm loving every minute of it right now. <laughs> well, here's what I, like, one time I had to cut a promo against Tony Khan because he was being silly, right? And I said, <laughs> we're on bust open. I said, nobody wants to see me and Tony Khan in a fight. Okay. Nobody wants to see me and Dave Meltzer in a fight. Right? Well, we're here for the verbal warfare. Okay. You don't have to have a fist fight. I just want the promos because this is fantastic. Yeah. Let's talk about Samhain, October 28th. The, 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 the card is loaded. I don't care what Meltzer or whoever says. This card is loaded. EC3 main event, Tom Latimer. Talk about this show. I'm going to be tuned in on Fight TV to check it out. We want you to share that. And then to close, Two TV deals. I'm just reading by House of Wrestling. There's been a network announcement. So I'll let you take it from there and kind of share the pay-per-view sure. and then talk Maybe about that. With the wrestling deal. Yeah. Sure. Um, thank you for bringing up the pay-per-view. October 28th, we're on Fight. Um, been our, our pay-per-view uh, home for a while. Um, we've never done, in my time of owning the company, any kind of hardcore, hearkening back to a little bit of ECW. Uh, when I was on Busted Open the other day, I mentioned that thinking it would uh, it would pop because uh, Dreamer was on the call and 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 Bubba was on the call, right? <laughs> nothing. Nothing. Just because, because in their minds, nothing is ECW, right? That's so that, right. I'm like, hey, we're kind of doing this paper. We're kind of harkening back to ECW. Nothing. Flat. <laughs> and my good old friends Bubba and, and Tommy. God bless them. We thought it would be fun with Halloween. You know, it's EC, uh, EC3's house in, in Cleveland. Uh, him as champion. We love the idea of like, kind of cranking up the heat uh, for this for the spooky season. Uh, Father James Mitchell's hosting it, so we'll have nice. some fun there. Nice. Um, we have a we have a, a world title match. Uh, BFT, who's managed by Aaron Stevens, uh, is going to be against Knox and Murdoch. Two great brawl, you know, brawling physical specimens there. Um, in a Knights of the Round Table tables match, you must go through a round table. Oh, <laughs> love it to lose um we got we got we got a lot of stuff loser leaves town matches uh you've got some matches where we kind of put the, the name of the stip but nobody really knows what it means um we got a match uh uh, uh violent J of the insane clown posse who manages the brothers of construction if you haven't seen them it's 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 pretty interesting i mean they're literally wrestling clown shoes no one knows how they do it um but great workers uh, they're going to be against La Rebellion, who've been champs for a couple years, and they're managed by Vampiro. Uh, so that'll be a six man. So lots of fun stuff. Um, I think we're really leaning into. Uh, 
I really feel in the last year we got the wrestling where I wanted it to be. It's not that easy to flip a switch. Trust me, if I had 20 Kurt Angles, I wouldn't be talking like that. But <laughs> it takes time to build a culture. It takes time to get people to work, let's call it NWA style. Snug, strong, physical, but safe. So you won't see 8,000 dives in our matches, but you will see a level of physicality that's almost, particularly in the women's division, that's almost without parallel. Um, and as far as the uh, TV deals, uh, this last week I, I, I broke some news in that we'd signed two TV deals with the Top 20 Network. I said at the time I wasn't at liberty to talk about it. I'm still not at liberty to talk about it, but certainly very exciting news. Okay. And 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 uh, it was, it was uh, talked about today on one of the dirts, and then everybody picked it up. Yes. And you know you've done something right when this thing starts going off. Every I bet day. it did. <laughs> so um, very exciting times, you know. Uh, and thank you for allowing me to share some of this story with your with your audience. It, it's it's been a crazy journey. Um, there's a lot of days where I kick myself and I think you got other things to do besides deal with these carnies. But <laughs> you know, when wrestling's great, when you have great times, when you're when you get to work with legends like Kurt, you know. There are those times in wrestling where you go, okay, this is worth it. Because like I say, when wrestling's great, it's really great. It's a lot of fun. And I think we're trying to bring some of that fun back. Dave Meltzer may not think it's fun. He may not get aroused watching the NWA product. Okay. <laughs> He's not beaten off yet. Right. No, and and maybe maybe he never will. Again, I, I, if you can hear the tone in my – I don't have any issue with that. That's totally okay. But I'm a public person. If you're going to report stuff about me that's not true, that is a problem. That is a problem. When you when you mischaracterize or misquote me, that is a problem. That means you're in business for yourself, to use the wrestling term, to get your businesses over. So uh, and you know what? It's also unethical. It really is, Bill. Well, he's built a business. To his credit, he saw where wrestling was going about people wanting to talk about wrestling all the time. And going back to what I said, he helped me become a better fan. In many ways, he helped educate me about a business that I didn't know much about. So all credit to him. But there's comes a point where it's like, this gets kind of weird. Abuse of power. It's just, yeah. I don't know. I don't even know what it is. Yeah. Well, let me say one last thing. Because I like to end it on some level of positive. Like sure. we talked about Dixie and it's a positive. And I like to say something positive to Dave Meltzer. Your dream has come true with AEW. Wrestling's never been bigger. WWE just sold for $9 billion. Your business is secure. You will have things to talk about and you will have things to jerk off over for the rest of your life. If we don't work in your little world or your big world, that's okay. But at least if you're going to quantify yourself as a wrestling journalist, be a journalist. If you want to disregard the NWA, any wrestling journalist, that's okay. Buddy Rockstar owns this company, funds it 100%. I worked in TNA for years in the front office. Before that, I worked in Indies. I put in my 10 years. I have relationships with professional wrestlers. I was lucky enough to work behind the scenes with Kurt. We had a good working relationship because I was there to work Right. I mean, I hope you never saw me act like a rock star because I certainly didn't want to try to act like a rock Corey, star. You were the most down to earth person I've ever been around. Thank you. And God bless you. And it was always a pleasure to be around your lovely wife. What a what a what a blessing she is. Thank you. And even it's cool that, you know, your son comes around sometimes and wants to hang out with the with the NWA because he watches the product. That's that's a pretty cool thing, too. Right. 
Yeah, that's Cody. Yes, sir. What am I trying to get at? We're one big crazy family. Rock and roll is weird. Wrestling is weirder. How I ended up in this spot is a weird, crazy journey. I'm not asking anybody for any favors. I'm not asking anybody to like what we do just because I'm asking them to like it. All I'm asking for is if you put in the time and you put in the effort, at least give a level of respect. Now, as people would say, respect is earned. Okay, if I haven't earned his respect or somebody else, that's totally fine. But you have to acknowledge that I picked a company up out of the freaking dirt. Jim Cornette cut the promo when I bought it, and eventually Jim ended up working for me for a while. He bought three worthless letters. WWE passed on the NWA for pennies on the dollar. Why? I took something that everybody said, not everybody, a lot of people said was worthless, and I brought it back to a now, now we have TV deals. We're running all the time. I employ at any given time 80 professional wrestlers. It's not a bad thing. That's what I'm right. saying is, Take the stink off the whole thing and just kind of enjoy the show. Yeah. There's a big difference between I don't like the movie versus I can respect what you're trying to do. Putting people to work, having a good time, and bringing some level of fresh attitude. And here's the last promo I'll cut on my behalf. I'm probably one of the only people in professional wrestling working in professional wrestling. Working. Because certainly a guy like Bad Bunny comes in and does good business or the Paul Brothers. But as far as somebody who's actually working in professional uh, wrestling. I'm one of the only people that people from the outside world will listen to about professional wrestling. So when I talk to Forbes or the Wall Street Journal or Rolling Stone about wrestling, not just the NWA, wrestling, they actually listen to me. Right. So if I'm an emissary or a figurehead or I represent at least the business in general, how is that a bad thing? It's not. No, it's so that's all I'm saying is People like- People should be leaning into that. Come on. That's what I'm saying is I'm asking for, let's call it a level of perspective. Just just a level of perspective. And this is a moment where we can hit pause, to use Pat Kenny's phrase. Uh, Pat, you know, I don't know if you know, Kurt, uh, Pat Kenny runs the uh, talent relations for, for the NWA. Oh, good, good. Pat Kenny would say hit pause, right? Let's just enjoy the moment. It's not about Dave Meltzer. It's not about disgruntled ex-employees. It's about the fact that collectively, and it's not all about me, we've been able to do something that has some momentum. It's not a bad thing. That's it. It's not, it, it, I haven't, I'm not crushing the world. You know what I mean? I, I don't have a money mark billion dollar investor. I just have me and the, and the little choo-choo here called the NWA that's doing some good work. And I think, and I think, uh, you know, you talked about it a bit, people are starting to notice that our quality level has come up. Our production level has come up, and something's starting to happen. That's right, Kurt. I'm. I'm. Listen, me and you, 2024 goal. How about me and you take the opportunity and attend an NWA show? I'm okay. for that, brother. You're down. Sure, yes. Let's. We want to be out there and for free, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it would be great. I'm fired up. You fired me up. Just this interview, the last hour and ten minutes has been fantastic. Be the product in person. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing like seeing it live, man. I, how can I put it? I don't, I'm not a worker, right? I mean, I've done a couple of things in the ring, but I'm not a worker. That's why I have so much respect for in-ring talent because what people like Kurt put themselves through to entertain the fans is really something. I remember talking to Kurt one time backstage and, and he was talking, no PCL. What did you tell me, Kurt? Like he, oh, yeah, my ligament, my knee. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I was PCL. like, yeah, he, he's like, he's like, yeah, I got no PCL. And da, da, da. I was like, how are you wrestling? He's like, I don't know, I just do it. <laughs> Very Kurt-like answer. What yeah. I'm saying is, it's a total pleasure to have a front seat to these great athletes. It's a pleasure to run a professional wrestling company. But like I said, there are those days where I go, it's not worth it. I'm, I'm, I'm bickering on Twitter with Dave Meltzer. Dave Meltzer. <laughs> this isn't Jimmy Hendricks we're talking about. You know what I mean? Right, Dave, Dave Meltzer. Okay. Yeah. That's, Okay, I'd be happy to bicker with Kenny Omega because Kenny Omega is one of the greatest to ever lace up the boots. Dave Meltzer? Right. I'm, I'm, I'm a better professional wrestler than Dave Meltzer, and that's saying something, okay? <laughs> he definitely got a hell of a promo. God bless uh, you. This all, is, all I'm yeah. trying to say to, to try to wrap this up and <laughs> kick me off the show, please. <laughs> this is great. All I'm trying to say is, look, it's it, it's not that hard. It's not that hard. We inside the bubble can talk about all this stuff, fight about all this stuff, but the general public, more people have turned off professional wrestling in the last 10 years than the previous probably 50 combined. And Dave Meltzer probably runs some stat. Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> all I'm saying is wrestling deserves to be a mainstream part of the culture. And what has happened, and I believe this is at the root of the WME acquisition of, of, of WWE, they're going to bring wrestling back to the mainstream. Okay. It's not a bad thing. Little kids who don't know anything about the smart mark stuff need to just be able to go do it with a show. And enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Let's not lose the childish innocence of just sometimes just seeing a good house show match between two great workers who just tell a good story might be the difference of that kid becoming a lifelong wrestling fan. Absolutely. Right. Here I am, what, 45 years later talking about Jerry Blackwell. What does that tell you? Something Jerry Blackwell did stuck yeah. with me. That's right. Right? Don't lose sight of that vibe in the business. Everybody in the business is valuable. Right now, Al Snow's getting over with o OVW yes. and, the, and the wrestlers show on Netflix. Great. Whether it's Haley, Jay, or, you know, whatever. Great. We want more people working. We want more people getting over. It, it's it's, And if the NWA is part of that rising tide, great. That's why you won't see me cutting any promos about WWE like a lot of other people do for cheap heat. And you can, you can read the math there the way you want it. WWE has never done anything but treat me right. And WWE as a business welcomes the NWA in the wrestling ecosystem. If WWE wanted to mess with me, you think they couldn't without even like... It's like great, God's great point. Yep. Why is WWE cool with the NWA? Because we're trying to run a business the right way. We're being respectful and we understand. You know, we're we're the little engine that could here. You don't think Billy Corgan cutting a promo on Vince McMahon wouldn't give me a bunch of free clickbait? They would, yeah. You don't see me running that business. Wow. No, no. So I'm just saying, just like, let's have some perspective here. Sure. Billy, thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, it's great, this week. great pleasure talking to you. Kurt, always such yeah. an honor. A lot of respect for you, Billy. Thank you thank for being on your show, too, man. I had a lot thank of fun you. talking to you. All the luck with uh, the big pay-per-view. October 28th, Fight TV, NWA. Check out the promotion. I'm telling you, if you haven't watched it, buy the pay-per-view. You won't be disappointed. Billy, thank you so much for joining us this week on the Kurt Angle Show. Thank you, gentlemen. Talk to you again. Thanks, Billy. All right, thank you. There you go. Fired up. Billy Corgan. Wow. What an interview, Kurt. 
Hey, he can tell some stories, man. Well, he can, you, man. Yeah, he can cut some promos, brother. No, I know. I now I know why he's in the wrestling business. Holy shit! To become the NWA champion and kind of cut a bunch of promos. He's teaching promo class at NWA is what he's doing. If he's not, he should be. Man, that was fired up, Billy Corgan. We went from all kinds of good material in there: the TNA days, the Dixie stuff, Paul Heyman dirt. What was going on with Meltzer? A lot of shit in that interview, Kurt. He was angry. He was happy. He was sad. A lot of emotions. A lot of emotion. Well, hey, listen, let's wrap this. We're an hour and 15 in, Kurt. You're about to turn into a pumpkin. I don't know if the, the slipper, what's happening there. But we're going to wrap this up. And we're going to do it in true Kurt Angle fashion because I said it. We're going to do the football picks, all right? Yes. You're eight and four. You're eight and four now, okay? That's Here we go. Last week, you said the 49ers were going to go to the Super Bowl. Are you still sticking with that due to the loss of the Browns? You st- are they st- still riding with the Niners? Yes, yes, I think so. I think. Okay, all right, he thinks so. Now, you also picked Kansas City over Denver, which they did prevail, so you got that one right, 19-8. Then you took the Bears over the Vikings with your angle upset, but buddy... It didn't happen. The Bears go down. Their quarterback goes down. Justin Fields dislocates his thumb. They lose. Seth Rollins now hates football again because the Bears are his team. So uh, let's keep it going. You're 8-4, and four, like I said, overall. Who's your angle lock? Who's your angle upset? Well, I'm picking Kansas City again, man. <laughs> they're on a roll. And I don't know if they're going to lose another game. I don't think so. All right, so you're going Kansas City over the Chargers. That's your angle lock. Now, who is your upset pick? Oh, I'm going with my Steelers, upset over the Rams. Oh, why didn't I already know this? Hey, hey, both L.A. teams are going to lose. That's right. He's got the Rams and Chargers going down. He picks the Steelers once again. They're coming off a bye, and a lot of people that were injured are back, but who knows? Listen, and I said this on on my social media today. The Steelers, um, they uh, went out. They're going up against the Rams, and I think the Steelers, because of the bye week, they're going to be fresh. And I also think because of history, um, back in the 1970s, the Steelers played the Rams in Super Bowl 14, and they won, and they became four-time Super Bowl champions. Oh my God, and the Steelers have to do this because of. What they did in the past. <laughs> You're picking because of what they did in the 70s? What the hell are you doing? Hey, this is my method of madness. <laughs> it is madness, brother. Well, we'll see what happens. Hey, my pick for this week in my survivor pool, I was good with the Cincinnati Bengals last week. I'm going Seattle over the Cardinals at in Seattle. That's my survivor pick. I still have one strike and a three-strike lead, so Seattle's my pick for the week. Now, before we get out of here and into the promos, no, I'm not letting you go that easy. Don't start digging for them chicken snacks yet. We're not there. Dr. Bo Hightower extreme muscle therapy you didn't think i was going to watch that youtube where you were getting muscle therapy done yes sir uh he came to my house was that your house yeah yeah he came to my house he flew in uh i i think he's from california i believe i'm not sure but he flew in and uh came to my house and did therapy on me it was awesome follow him on youtube he's got over a million youtube subscribers he's promoting our podcast on there by the way He's done a lot of famous people, a lot of wrestlers and a lot of actors and stuff. Okay, so here's the highlights, guys. Cliff Notes, if you don't watch it, it's a half hour long. Kurt's movies are Vision Quest, Rocky, Rudy, Star Wars, Harry Potter, and the Vacation movies. Kurt, I pay attention, pal. I'm all over you. Holy shit. 
chocolate milk is his number one flavor of milk. Yes. Like wow. skimming two percent. Kurt's gonna start drumming again, everybody. He's going back to the drums. <laughs> I listened. You know what else I heard? You talk about the podcast and no mention of all about your co-host, you son of a bitch. I'm an asshole, Paul. Yeah, I got a podcast. It goes great. Yep, yep, it's me. Yeah, Kurt Angle. Yeah, just me it's on the podcast. Me. You motherfucker. All right, then he talks about Physically Fitness, his nutrition brand. That's great. Oh, my Peacock documentary, Angle of Alex Perry. What a tremendous job he did. No my, po my podcast co-host? No, I don't even know what his name is. And am I acute or obtuse? And you said, I'm acute, Angle. So there you go. That wraps up that. Boy, you are a good study, man. I just, I couldn't wait for that. Oh, Kurt, this has been so fun this week. Like 10 minutes. What's that? Went off for like 10 minutes. <laughs> I did, I did. Kurt really hates me now. Guys, listen, we got to put him over Impact. You talk about Impact, the show, TNA. You heard Billy. Billy was there for a lot of fun stuff with Kurt. If you want to check it out, you can. Impactwrestling.com forward slash packages and sign up with code Kurt. That goes a long way to help us out with Impact. They are a great partner of ours. They let us show all Kurt's matches filter-free on YouTube. So we really appreciate what they're doing over there. And then, if your business targets 25 to 54-year-old men, no better place than to advertise right here. Guys, have you heard the guests that we're having on? EC3, Billy Corgan, and all the guests that we've had on so far this year. People are listening. We're getting rave reviews. You can advertise with us here on the show. Advertise with Angle.com right now. We have a super targeted audience. That male demographic between 25 and 54-year-old is hitting different for us right now. People are listening. So check it out, advertisewithangle.com right now. And yes, on YouTube, like, subscribe, turn on notifications. I'm reading your comments, guys. I am going through now and starting to read what you write. And I'm like, oh, God, please, are they going to say they hate my they hate Paul Bromwell? No, no, there's nothing bad. They're loving Kurt. They're, they're enjoying what we're doing here, buddy. YouTube.com forward slash the angle pod. Subscribe, Kurt. Go ahead. Let's pull them out. I got mine, too. Those smart snacks, right? Physically fit. Smart snacks. Physically fit smart snacks. Uh, there's three different uh, three different makes. There's uh, chicken uh, protein. One is plant protein, and one is whey protein. Yummy. Different flavors from cinnamon swirl to uh, honey mustard to uh, sweet barbecue to pizza, cheese pizza. A lot of great flavors. You're going to absolutely love them. High, high protein, low carbohydrate. Go to physicallyfit.com to order yours. All right, guys. Project One Nutrition, speaking of milk, he loves milk. He made a joke on that podcast with that doctor. They told his whole audience that he hated milk, and uh, they had a chuckle over that. But he loves milk, and he likes nothing more than cookies and cream. Tell him about your Project One Nutrition shake. Kurt Angle's Cookies and Cream Protein. American Dream Cookies and Cream Protein. It's a uh, high-protein, low-carbohydrate. It's the best tasting protein protein on the market. You're going to absolutely love it. Cookies and cream, incredible flavor. I love it. I drink it twice a day. And I eat my chicken snacks or smart, smart snacks twice a day. This is part of my diet, man. It's keeping me in shape and I'm looking great. And you it's the only thing... It's the only thing that's keeping him awake right now because it's past <laughs> his bedtime. Oh, yeah. oh, and you can go to projectonenutrition.com to order the protein. <laughs> Guys, lastly... KurtAnglebrand.com, and that's where you can find anything you want, whether it is a cowboy hat, a milk carton, a card, T-shirts, 
autographed photos. Kurt, what can they find there? The whole ball of wax. That's right, man. All of it. All of it. <laughs> KurtAnglebrand.com. That's the line I was looking for. And finally, last plug before we get out of here, Kurt, tell them about my bookie. My bookie. All right. It's been a crazy football season so far. I mean, a lot of guys are getting hurt, and a lot of teams are playing kind of out of character, both good and bad. It's still a bit early, but it's tough to judge what a lot of these divisional standings will look like. Am I right, Paul? Oh, yeah, it is, man. It's, you, you, outside of some of your favorite teams, which we know the 49ers are, it is hard to tell who's going to win this thing. You're absolutely right. And I want to give a shout-out to my partners at MyBookie.com. Use promo code Kurt Angle for your cash bonus with bets on MyBookie. There it is. My bookie, Kurt Angle. Check it out. Kurt, uh, this has been an absolute blast of a show. Billy was fantastic. Guys, remember, check out Box of Gimmicks. Lots of great designs over there. Dom has just been crushing it. And so check out Box of Gimmicks. Get your sweatshirts. Uh, it is sweatshirt season. And head over there to check that out now. Kurt, thank you so much for doing the show with me this week. Thanks, Paul. I had a blast again. Once again, spending the week with you, this show, I don't think it gets any better than that. On behalf of your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, this is Paul Bromwell, and we'll see you right back here next week for another episode of The Kurt Angle Show. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on, right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.